Hello folks and welcome to day two of the Wearable Technology and Augmented Reality Show 2015. Here in London chatting with some of the most interesting and innovative thinkers in the wearable and augmented reality space. On that theme I take great pleasure in introducing you to a man who is a genuine thought leader. Someone pushing forward the research and development conversation across a vast swathe of areas that relate to the sensory interface that human beings have with technology. He is a man who has a CV of notable achievements that would take me as long as the time that we have to talk with him today to communicate to you. Uh, suffice to say that his knowledge and expertise in the area of human sensory communication ranges across human computer interfaces, wearable computers, mixed reality, augmented reality and a whole lot more. He is the recipient of multiple awards in the arts and sciences and his work has been recognised by a host of academic and professional bodies as well as the United Nations and the World Economic Forum. He's a TED speaker, a regular go-to source for organisations such as the BBC, and he has a deep and extensive published academic pedigree. He invented a real-world augmented reality version of the Pac-Man game that placed participants inside a hybrid real-world virtual world Pac-Man game, and he has used touch-sensitive sensors to transmit hugs across the internet, pioneered work to transmit both taste, smell and sensations over the internet, and whilst he's faced some bemusement for attempting to push the envelope in this way, he has nonetheless continued to push it. Until, like most people who are ahead of the game, the game finally becomes something that the rest of us are attempting to understand and consider to be worth playing. And believe me, I am only giving you the very briefest of selected highlights from his biography. So it is with great pleasure that I welcome Adrian David Chiok to Hypernetic. Sir, thank you for taking the time to sit down with us today. Welcome, how are you? Yeah, very good. It's a great pleasure to uh, talk to you today. I'm, I'm really looking forward, looking forward to it. Uh, can I ask the obvious sort of starting question that most people uh, would, which is, uh, can you give us a brief summary of, of your work, uh, of what you're involved in currently, uh, and just an overview that can point us to the areas that you feel are most pivotal uh, for you and that have helped to develop your thinking? Yes, well, uh, I uh, think uh, the main... Uh, focus and uh, vision that, that, that we have in my laboratory, the work I'm doing with my students, is basically uh, we want to create uh, the, a multi-sensory internet. If you look at the, today's internet technology, including uh, augmented reality, it's very much about audio-visual communication. But in the real world, we communicate with all of the five senses. In fact, uh, neuroscientists and psychologists have, have uh, shown that more than half of our communication is non-verbal. So still, uh, we must uh, uh, increase the uh, emotional and uh, human communication on the, on the internet. And if you think about it, it's very much as if uh, you could look out the window of your room, but you can't open up the window, you can't touch outside, you can't taste or smell. So we're very much interacting with uh, the internet and digital media uh, through the glass, touching glass or looking through glass. So what uh, I'm aiming to create is the next stage of internet, which is not we can just share information. We live in the information age and we can share almost limitless data, but it's still very difficult to share our experience because experience is about all of the five senses. What does it really feel like to be in a place? What is it like to uh, dine and eat together? These are the things that we can't do with the internet and what we're trying to create is a, a new experience communication on the internet, the, which is all of the five senses and communicating in the real and virtual world with, with all of our senses. It's fascinating. I mean, it seems fair to say that a great deal of your work is focused on areas where technology is most fundamentally lacking at the moment. Um, I mean specifically deep sensory emotional connectivity. You know, you mentioned touch, taste, smell uh, and also perhaps as importantly the transference of those sensory modalities over remote digital systems. I mean 
These are three sensors that technology is traditionally either very bad at representing or, or has next to no footprint in it. So it also seems that these are enormously challenging experiences to convey accurately. How much success do you think you've had so far uh, and what remains to be done to achieve your vision? That's right. It's still a, a very big uh, research issue. Uh, how do we sense and how do we transmit uh, and replicate the uh, senses of touch, taste and smell. The fundamental difficulty is that audio and visual signals such as light and sound are waves and uh, waves with different frequency are very easy to digitise. You can easily turn a, uh, a frequency into a number and you can send it over the internet. But for example, uh, smell and taste, they're, they're molecular based. So we have a based uh, kind of lock and key mechanism, a, a molecule lock onto a receptor and that causes some kind of uh, smell perception. But you can't transmit molecules through the internet. You can't transmit uh, molecules on radio waves. So what we're trying to do is, is make devices that you can sense and then send through internet these sensors. So for example, uh, with taste, what we've done is we've made an electric taste machine. You put it on your tongue and it directly stimulates the uh, taste receptors uh, and then causes an artificial taste perception on the, on the in the brain. And for smell, we currently have uh, uh, mobile phone devices that you can send a smell message. So it's, uh, if it's your grandmother's birthday, send her a smell of strawberry or chocolate cake or flowers. But uh, the next stage of this is we're making uh, electromagnetic devices that you put in the back of your mouth uh, underneath your uh, olfactory sensor. And this will uh, use time-varying magnetic fields to stimulate the, ol the olfactory sensor. And that will mean that we can uh, stimulate smell without any chemicals. So it's still a work in progress. And we're working, uh, you know, I have students who come from neuroscience background because it really is, you know, at the frontier of engineering as well as neuroscience uh, to make these technologies. But I think, you know, you know the um, uh, more law technology uh, uh, increases ex exponentially doubles every year so I believe that you know within uh, five or ten years we will be able to uh, communicate all of the five senses you will have a multi-sensory uh, telepresence you can send uh, touch taste and smell through through the internet and th so that the future of, of internet is we can really feel uh, and experience like we're, we're really together even though we can be you know thousands of miles apart that's the ultimate goal of, of how making the next stage of internet that's a very exciting vision. I mean, I, I've been fascinated to see this work. I mean, uh, you're basically looking at, at what it seems to me is electrical and thermal sort of stimulation. Please forgive me if I misunderstand any of this. Um, it appears that what you're attempting to do is bypass chemical compound systems, such as gases and capsules, uh, and to trigger electrothermal reactions directly in the brain. Is that correct? Yes, that's right. And, you know, this is based on uh, uh, research in the medical domain. So, for example, uh, in, in the 70s, the medical profession made some uh, tests uh, about, with, you know, people went through accident or through, through uh, birth uh, don't have the ability to taste or smell. So they, want, they wanted to test uh, what, is, what is the uh, uh, level of their uh, taste. So they used electri electrical signals to stimulate the sensors and they could detect okay like what, le what, what level is the taste of that person but what they found as a side effect is that people could experience taste when they uh, did use these machines so this work kind of wasn't really uh, uh, examined for quite a while but you know now the technology is caught up and you know we, we and then we uh, went into uh, quite detail we had a, you know almost three years of testing of humans and finding what uh, electrical currents at what frequencies and also thermal stimulation can cause artificial taste. 
So uh, essentially what happens is that, uh, you know, if you have a real taste, uh, some, for example, there's a drop of lemon, lemon juice on your tongue, there's uh, some kind of chemical ionization. But the next level is called electrical signal. What we're doing is directly stimulating with the electrical current that signal. And you can use a similar technique uh, for the touch receptors. Uh, you can stimulate touch using electrical signals and also as we were just discussing, also with your olfactory or smell sensor, the principle is the same. The very difficult about the olfactory sensor is it's, it's, a, it's not external, so you know it's behind your nasal cavity, so we're using indirect stimulation. We're going to use indirect stimulation uh, with magnetic coils, so you don't actually put it on your olfactory sensor, you put it in your mouth, um, like, a, like a kind of mouth guard it would be, I think. But you know, again, if you look at the medical domain, uh, they have a they have a technique which is called transcranial magnetic stimulation. So they're already using magnetic fields to stimulate the brain. Uh, for, for patients, for example, who, are, who have depression, uh, you can stimulate their brain using magnetic fields and that you know, can re relieve depression as good as, 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 good as drugs can. Uh, so you know, so this, this has basis on uh, you know, techniques which are used in the medical domain. In medical domain, they're focusing about you know, uh, for illness or you know, uh, for patients who have some problem, but we think this can be used for uh, everyone because everyone uh, wants to communicate uh, more and more and we will allow a new, a new a next stage of communication using these technologies. Combined with haptics and the audio-visual interface that we already have with internet, um, uh, is what we're looking at essentially a complete digitization of the five sensory modalities? I mean, is it your aim to create a kind of digital vocabulary for these senses and if so uh, what do you think are the implications of this kind of technology uh, for society? Yes I mean uh, at, at first uh, if, if you look at uh, you know in any new media at first people uh, want to reproduce the reality so let's take for example something very simple like uh, painting all right so uh, if you look at the old masters it's like they wanted to uh, you know almost perfectly uh, replicate, you know, the, the, the portrait of a landscape or a beautiful, beautiful lady or a handsome man. So, but then, after that, the the media of painting became extremely creative. People, people, sort of completely new kinds of. Uh, images that you can't see in the real world, you know, impressionism or these kind of things. You know, that's not how you, that's not what you see with your eyes. But it's a kind of uh, create, creative new media. Look at the music. When the CD first came out, uh, music was first digitized. Everyone wanted to hear Beethoven's Ninth Symphony because it was a like perfect sound. It's like yeah. being in the concert theater. But the real impact of that is that it created a completely new type of music. Once music became digitized, we have new, new genres of music, you know. And uh, before, if you wanted to play guitar, you'd have to, uh, you know, learn how to play the analog instrument. Now a kid can do this on a garage band, you know, yeah. <laughs> with his with with his iPad, you know, his or her iPad. Um, so I think similarly, when we introduce this new media, at first people are going to want to, re you know, they, they want to reproduce reality, know, yeah. right? So for example. Can we send the smell of chocolate through the internet, etc.? Uh, there'll be a completely new kinds of output of human creativity, uh, which means that we create new, completely new kinds of uh, taste and smell, completely, completely new kinds of uh, food. Uh, in fact, uh, you know, if, if you think about it, uh, why in the future, once we can digitize taste and smell, you'll be able to program food like you can program music now using your iPad. You know, you don't have to go to the kitchen. You, you can write a program and create some uh, incredible taste and send it on the internet. Why, why not have tastes which are time varying? You know, you can have a, uh, something which goes from taste of chocolate to banana in one second. Uh, and, uh, you know, so, so uh, they, we will make new kinds of creativity. For the, for the touch as well, we made systems that you can, uh, we made a, a technology which is a ring and you can squeeze your uh, wearable ring and send a hug 
a hug through the internet. But in the real world, you can only really hold one person's hand or maybe two people at the same time. But once you make this on the internet, why, why not hug 1,000 of your friends at the same time? If you've uh, you know, j just uh, scored an A in your exam, you're very happy, send all of your <laughs> friends a hug at the same time. Yeah. So we make new kinds of communication. There's new genres of creativity once we create the new media. I think that is a real implication uh, when we can digitize uh, these uh, technologies. That is very exciting because you are literally talking about an extension of, of, of the senses that we have, mixing them to create new forms. So I mean, when you, when you bring reality uh, as, it, as we perceive it and as it is day to day, uh, and then you mix it with these new experiences, you are literally creating a new genre of feeling. You're adding, there are additions to the feelings we already have and the experiences we already have. I mean, uh, you were talking about eating. I imagine then uh, eating substances and mixing them uh, with digital with digital taste to enhance the experience, to vary it. That, even that is just a kind of new social dining experience, you know, that, that, you, that we can't currently imagine, but which is itself very exciting. Yeah. Uh, in fact, uh, we've uh, uh, been doing a, doing a lot of projects with uh, restaurants and uh, w uh, there's a famous restaurant in Spain called Muguritz. Uh, chef Andoni is a very visionary chef and he, uh, he said some very profound words to me which, which really affected me because he, he said that you know, in the 21st century, the chef is not just about you know, chopping carrots and making soup. It's about being a composer. The chef is a composer. And the analog and the digital are part of his or her composition. So you know, uh, actually, we can get a lot of, a lot of influence from uh, create, very creative people such as uh, you know, chefs, artists, and these give new influence to our research. But you know, the chef of the future uh, makes uh, analog plus digital experience and also can uh, share that. with the whole world. That's right, the whole world can, can experience their creations. Uh, that's a wonderful idea, that, that the exclusivity of that, of that dining establishment uh, where now only a few people can sample those wonderful creations becomes something that's shareable uh, and, and potentially then viral and you know, will influence many other people and that's a beautiful thought. Um, I'd like to shift into something a, a, a tiny bit more mundane just because I'm fascinated to get your input. Um, I'm interested to get your take on the, cu one, the current wave of wearables uh, but particularly Apple's watch um, uh, be, uh, purely because um, it has a form of digital touch. Um, I wonder from what you've seen about, uh, of that product, um, they're obviously trying to add intimacy to a wrist-based wearable. Um, do you think they've done a good job or are they missing something important? First of all, about the wearable technology, I mean, just, just being at this uh, show, it's incredible because, uh, you know, I remember 10 plus years ago, I used to attend an academic conference called, uh, uh, you know, International Symposium of Wearable Computers, and it's a tiny community of less, less than 100 uh, researchers, and, uh, and this show is incredible. There's all these companies here with massive uh, exhibitions, and obviously, uh, the time has come. Wearable technology uh, is, has now become a, a viable uh, commercial product, you know, companies are making money of it, and that's a great thing. It's always great when research turns into real uh, reality. And uh, but because it because it is very new, I, I think it's, it's it's still very early days, and we're not going to we we don't really know what who are the main players. But if you do look at Apple, I mean, Apple didn't invent the mouse. Uh, uh, Douglas Engelbart uh, invented, invented the mouse in the 60s, and uh, it was really in Park Xerox Labs. Uh, you know, Alan Kay and uh, a lot of pioneers were working in the. Uh, Park Xerox Labs, and they and basically, you know, they made a computer uh, which had GU, uh, graphical user interface, uh, had uh, a mouse, uh, and you know, Steve Jobs uh, openly said that you know he basically got almost all the ideas from Macintosh by having a look at what's happening in Park Xerox Lab. But there's nothing wrong because researchers are pushing the barriers of technology, but they're not very good at sell, at, you know, turning it into real products. So you need someone like Steve Jobs uh, uh, who can see these 
advanced technologies and they somehow know when the time is right to bring out a product and it will go to the mass market. So I think similarly uh, with wearable technology we're at that point. You know the last few years we've seen the you know exponential increase of wearable tech and it, you know really started off with all of these Kickstarter campaigns with Pebble Watch etc etc and then you've got these things like Fitbits, uh, you know Nike, Nike had the, uh, the the shoe which connected to the iPhone etc and uh, so so these uh, technologies have become almost mainstream. Not, not completely mainstream but you know basically it's, it's uh, become Coming almost mass market, and again, I think Apple is a very smart company. Even, even, I mean, it, it is interesting. To see, even Steve Jobs has gone. Apple has just become even more successful. So it really didn't depend on just one man. Uh, and uh, so I think again, Apple is very smart. They're bringing out their watch at the right time. It's now a couple of couple of years, couple of years of wearable tech having having come to more mainstream. And uh, I I think, you know, with what we see with a lot of these uh, technologies is really winner take all, you know, so 90% um, you know, of people used uh, Microsoft Windows, uh, almost everyone uses uh, uh, iPhone and uh, Android, so, uh, you know, Facebook, uh, new social networks would, would, would uh, have to be extremely uh, much better than Facebook to, uh, to uh, outdo it because everyone's on Facebook now. I think it's similar to Apple Watch, it's going to be a similar thing, it's going to be winner takes all. I mean, I hate to say it, but I think a lot of the companies we see here, they're either going to be absorbed by Apple or you know, something, or uh, you know, it's going to be difficult for them to survive. I mean, other, other, but there is a huge market to be part of the Apple, Apple ecosystem. There's a lot of people make, making a lot of money from Apple uh, iTunes Store, from uh, 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 you know, accessories for iPhone, etc. So there is a huge market. But uh, I, I believe if you look at the past history, uh, Apple's a very smart company. When they, when they bring out their watch, it's, I think it's going to be a winner-take-all. You know, no one's going to want a Samsung watch <laughs> or a Sony watch. They're going to want the Apple watch. Uh, and they're very smart because, you know, uh, they, they let Samsung bring out the watch. They let Sony bring out the watch. They made the, they've already made the mistakes. Everyone knows they were not, not so good, those watches. But now is the time. And I think uh, it, Apple's going to be a, a big success with this. I think the interesting thing, I mean, this is why I reference Digital Touch, is that they've, they've input um, a version of, uh, they've attempted to add a little bit of intimacy. Um, to it, this notion of tapping on, on a person's wrist, this idea of kind of sending your heartbeat, this, uh, this idea of, um, of quick, brief sketches and subtle kind of um, uh, human gestural type sort of feedback rather than swipes and notifications and typing on a tiny little screen. And I mean, obviously, they've added the elements that the competition have, but they, they, they've at least tried to think of a, of a sense of playfulness and they've tried to introduce the idea of intimacy. Um, how well they've done remains to be seen from the software itself, but, but I mean it's an interesting idea and it's one that, I, that I'm personally interested in, in exploring. Um, I, I would like to say I think it's obvious that, that a world where we convey more of our essential humanity over telepresence through senses and are able to transfer emotional messages and exchanges is going to be a more intimate and embodied personal form of uh, communication and a major improvement on, on what we currently have. Um, my final question sir relates to both the past and the future. I wonder, out of the work that you've done so far, uh, what you feel is the most important, uh, which area are you most proud of, and secondly, what is it that you still wish to achieve, uh, and uh, where will your focus be going forward? Well, you know, um, you know, just just like uh, uh, in a lot of fields, uh, it's difficult to to predict what 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 will be the success. I think research is very much about, you know, I mean, I feel we basically push push the barriers 
I, I always say to my students, don't do incremental work, do quantum step work. So, you know, like the electron going to the next next, next energy level. Because uh, uh, that way you can do, do technology which, you know, 5 or 10 or 15 or 20 years later can have some impact, you know. So, uh, you know, f uh, for, for example, now we're doing a lot of work on haptics and uh, touch communication. You know, that really work started uh, um, more than 10 years ago. I decided to do a system where you could uh, hug, hug your pet through the internet. It was a pet chicken. Uh, at that time, I didn't really realize it would have, uh, uh, you know, still 10, 15 years later, people are still talking about it. So I think that the, the, the most important thing is, is uh, to keep pushing the barrier, uh, do quantum step uh, innovation and not incremental work. So that's what we're aiming for, pushing the barrier, doing quantum step work. And I think that's how we can make new kinds of uh, innovation. And in the future, uh, I, I believe one thing uh, is that uh, you know, when we bring out these technologies, and we're going to have uh, uh, experience communication and, uh, and have sensing and actuation of all of our senses. Uh, as I said, we're going to make new kinds of communication, and why would it be just humans? You know, so we, 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 I, I believe that in the future, with these technologies, you'll also be able to have uh, intimate communication, not just with humans, but with with, with virtual humans or with virtual creatures. Uh, and that's going to be a, a new step of uh, society. I think robots and virtual characters uh, will become people's friends. Um, people may even fall in love with the with with the character on a screen if they can touch, taste, and smell them, and they and the visually. Uh, they look attractive, why wouldn't people uh, uh, have friends or fall in love with virtual characters? And so, you know, if you've seen recently, there's a few films about uh, touching on this topic, like the film Her, which came out, uh, uh, you know, a few months ago. Uh, I think that this is a prediction of what's going to, uh, what's, what is going to be a reality uh, in the near and midterm future. So um, I'm sure that whatever the future is, uh, the kind of work that you're doing is going to play a big part in it. Um, I'd like to thank you uh, for taking the time out of your busy schedule. I know you're very busy and you're on stage very shortly. Uh, so thank you for talking to me. I very much appreciate the opportunity to have had this conversation with you. Um, good luck uh, with everything that you're doing in the future. Hope to talk to you again one day. And um, I think the work that you're doing is important. And I think that one day we will all benefit from you having done it. Uh, thanks once again for your time. Thank you very much. It was a great pleasure.